All right, so we're going to continue on our series, Glory to Glory, from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and the verses are 17 and 18 for our text scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, last week we started off on this, and it'd actually be good for you to keep an eye on the website because I'll probably have that up there. Um, there's a lot of revelation the Lord had me share as well as things that he placed on my heart while I was preaching it last week. So uh, I would strongly advise you go back to Listen to this one. It's up on the site. Amen. And there were several key words that the Lord placed on my heart. But before I go into them, let's open up with a word of prayer, and then we can continue on. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank and praise you, Father, for the principles, the insight and revelation that you're unraveling and unveiling unto us, that we would live and abide and prosper in your principles, Father principles that show us how to live for you, principles that show us who we are in you. And we thank and praise you, Lord, that if there's been any deception, any disillusionment, any lies that the enemy or people or lives, life circumstances have spoken into us, Father, that have diminished our perceptions of self. We thank you right now, Father, that through your word, you would break down every stronghold, every misperception, that you would bring a healing into our hearts, our minds, our spirits, Father, that we can live fruitful in you. And we just give you the praise, the honor, and glory, Father, for these things, that we, we not only be glorified in you, but we bring glory unto your kingdom as we interact with people. And we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And before we go, I kind of had this, but I'm going to say it now publicly. Amen. Because sometimes people do stuff in secret, and sometimes people do stuff in a devilish manner, and they smile on your face, and then they talk about you about like a dog behind your back, or they stab you. And I'm going to say to you, and I might be paraphrasing this, but I'm going to say to you that there have been, you've basically spent, if not a lot, the majority of your lifetime, people talking down to you and people eyeing you the wrong way and people trying to put you in their box and their perceptions. And I'm going to say to you that instead of living under the anvil or the weight of what you can't do, this is a season of what I can do. But it's going to be very crucial to you that you stay closely attached to the Spirit of God and His Word and His principles. It's going to be very crucial, amen, because you're at a fork in the road, and this is a time and season in which the steps you take are very crucial for what's going to unfold over the next few years. So it's, it's very important that you stay closely here to His Spirit, and you know without a shadow of doubt those things that He would have you to do and to say and to speak. And even in terms of the things that you would envision or pursue, it's very crucial that you don't allow anybody to push you outside of where you need to be to beguile or to deceive or to try to 
manipulate and control you into going into a path that God does not have for you, even if you have to stay in a position longer than you think you need to stay, you need to stay there until you're sure without a shadow of doubt that this is where God has you to go. Because when you go where he has um, uh, pointed ahead of you, it's going to be very fruitful, but it's very cautious time that you don't allow anybody or even yourself to pull you out of the path that God has for you. So I'm going to say to you today that this is the year of the I can do, but it has to be the I can do and what thus saith the Lord says you can do. It cannot be Kelly's I can do. It cannot be the organization's I can do. It cannot be the newest fad or the trend. It has to be what God says I can do. Amen? So you have to have in your spirit to silence the voices of all the naysayers, even if it's in your own head, I'm not going to listen to the naysayers. I'm going to do what thus saith the Lord for my life, regardless of who says nay or yay or go or stay. I'm going to do what thus saith the Lord for my life. But make sure you don't allow yourself to get pulled away. And even more so, don't allow yourself to be under the mindset of I can't be, I can't be or I can't do, or I can't say, or it's not for me. It's very crucial that you even... Um, rehearsing your own mind, your own spirit, that I can do. You had a, a lifetime of I can't, I shouldn't. You're too weak or you're too inadequate or you're too short or you're too this. Or too, you don't have a lifetime of that. This is the year of I can do. But once again, it's very crucial to do what God says for Kelly to do because there's going to be those who will see the gifting and talent of you. They're going to try to use you for their own ends. And it's going to seem very appealing. And the opportunity is going to seem very rich and very prosperous. But you have to be very careful that you do the things that God has for you, even though they seem to be smaller at times, even though they may not seem to be as fruitful at times. It's very important to you. Do what God says. Because even in the small things, you will come out greater than the huge things that the enemy and people are going to present to you that seem to be a quicker and a more fruitful route. Amen? And if you truly seek the face of God, you're going to know what is the yay and what is the nay for your life. But you can't get hasty. You can't be worried about, oh, I might miss out on something. And you can't even fall into the other things, your own expectations of, well, I failed a thousand times before, so I better take this. No. Wait and see what God has. And God's going to make you fruitful. This is a year of I can do. No longer the I can't do. Relabel that phrase in your life. It is not the year of I can't do. This is a year of I can do. But it has to be his I can do. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And this, that's, that's also on some of you, too, is I felt it most strongly on you. And I don't know if that bears witness. You don't even have to tell me. But <laughs> I felt that most strenuously on your life. And the stuff I spoke to you was specific to you. But there's also some of you have some of that you can't do in your life as well. Amen? So <laughs> you got the, you got the, oh, no, I felt, I'm just saying to you all now that that I can't do, the mislabelings and the limitations that people or even yourself has spoken in your life, this is the year. Have you seen in the multiple sermons this year, this is the year of sowing and reaping.
This is the year of planting and expecting a harvest. This is the year of I plant a small thing, but I have an expectation of receiving a harvest of great things, not only for just this year, but future years. And it's also a year of no more I can't do. It's a year of yes, I can't and I will do. You've got to have that mindset. It's crucial. Amen? So this is a year of I can do. But that stuff I said to you was specific. Amen? So, you know, pray about it if you need to, but it was specific. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right, so we prayed, and like I said, we talked about glory to glory last week. And one of the things it says in verse 18 is that we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. That word open means to be unveiled. And it also means to turn inside out so that the inward is exposed. And as I shared with you last week, if you can, take an image of peeling your face off flipping things inside out and saying, oh, I'm seeing the inside of my body. But it's not just seeing the inside of my organs and my tissues and my muscles and tendons and ligaments and stuff like that. It's looking inside, seeing the inner things that God has placed inside of you. Amen? Your attributes, your gifts, your talents, your strengths and weaknesses. And God says he wants us to look inwardly at these things so we can get an idea of who we really are as opposed to looking at the things based upon our outward appearances that people characterize us by and not only does he want us to look at ourselves with open face and that open face means with wide open eyes but when it talks about looking at ourselves with open face beholding as in a glass the word glass means to mirror oneself to see yourself reflected It also means to gaze at with wide open eyes. But here's the thing that's key for you and I. To look at yourself with wide open eyes as if at something remarkable. Have you ever looked at yourself and said, wow, God made me remarkable. Wow, I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. Wow, people for the last 20, 30, 40 years have said, I'm a runt, a misfit, an outcast, I'm this and that and things you can't even say in church. But yet God says, look at myself with open eyes, not squinting. I can't bear to see. Oh, ugly. But to look at myself with open eyes and say, wow. Because this is how God is looking at all of us. As the poster says, God don't make any junk. God made each one of us with a divine plan and purpose, with unique goals in mind and yes we have the 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 privilege and the will to say I will obey you or I won't but when God manufactured you in the womb of your mother he had a game plan he had a road map he had a destiny in mind for each one of us so as he pondered how he's going to manufacture you in the womb and he embedded you with all these characteristics he didn't just throw you together he's like no This is the purpose I have in mind for this person. And to get to that purpose successfully, what are all the different attributes that I have to embed into this person so they are properly equipped to be and do what I wanted them to be? 
And if you look at all the things that he's placed inside of us, he's basically saying, as I did this, I was like, wow, look at what I'm making here. Ooh, look at this. Shaped like this. These attributes. And wow, look at what I made. Look at my workmanship. And yet we walk around on a daily basis. Oh, my God, what a mess I am. So he wants us to look at ourselves with a sense of wonder or thinking that we're remarkable. And the great thing is it says that we are changed, transformed, metamorphosized, metamorphosized, amen, transformed from glory to glory for day by day, not according to our own attributes, but according to the spirit of the Lord, amen. So I might be a mess now, but look at me five years from now, and I should have changed into something that is much greater, stronger, more mature, more gifted, more experienced, more wise. I know that's something we don't see in this day and age. People get older and get more foolish. But what God's intent was is that we become, as they say, seasoned. And we have this aroma, this residue, this, this poise about us. We become more elegant. We become more insightful on, on the attributes that he's placed within us. Amen. So we now grow into a place where we look back on our life and says, wow, look where I came from. And what can I take advantage of in me now to not only continue to prosper, but also to instill these things into those that are just getting to the place where I was at a few years ago. So we should be looking at ourselves not with a sense of pride, but with a sense of godly wonder. And last week we talked about the nature of mankind and how we fell into sin and fall short of the glory of God and how the enemy got in and messed stuff up. Amen? We were fearful. We were abominable. We were full of sins. And even those who were the most righteous were full of filthiness outside of the blood of Jesus and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But then we got to the place where we had to realize that we were truly remarkable in God and the fact that he created us up with personalities, with characteristics, with will, with emotions, with reasoning. God placed all these different attributes inside of us. So we're going to continue on. And one of the first things we see is that God had made us to walk in dominion over all of his creations. And unfortunately, many of us have subjected ourselves to the things of this world system. Is not a smoking addict or a cocaine addict or alcoholic ruled by a plant? That's where they get all the, the, the opium and the cocaine and the booze. All that stuff comes from a plant. We're supposed to dominate all these things, but yet some of us are ruled by the very things that should be subjected to us. That's a fall, a far fall from the glory that God intended from us. So God created us, and we were crowned with glory and honor and made in his likeness. And one of the things we have to realize as we continue on is that outside of Jesus Christ, we will continue to be governed by the things of this world system. So in order for us to get back to the glory that we fell short of, we need salvation in Jesus Christ to turn the whole thing around and make us fruitful. Amen? So we look in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, here's the thing, amen? Do you realize that God had a plan for you before you even knew that there was something to be planned? <laughs> You're a newborn babe, and God already saw the destiny that he had before you in your adult years. We see here that God says he is destined unto you not to live a miserable, fruitless life. But he is deemed and ordained that each one of us will walk in good works. And he planned for these things ahead of time. And we can thank God that by his grace, we are saved through faith. All we need to do is believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. The Word of God tells us in Romans 10, 9, 10, amen, we believe in the heart and confess in our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that is the key to eternal life, amen. Romans 10, 9, and 10, they call it TNT. It's explosive, amen, to be a man that's full of sin and one day confess Jesus Christ and bam, you are transitioned into eternal places just by a prayer that is born out of faith. We see here that none of us can earn, barter, plead, manipulate, control, get hooked up with other people to get salvation. There's nothing you could do to work for it, but it is a gift from God. He'll hand it over. Amen? You don't have to work for it. It's not of works lest any man can boast. Nobody can give you salvation. And the key thing we see in this phrase as it relates to us transitioning from glory to glory in the image of God and being more and more purified and refined into his likeness, it talks about us being God's workmanship. Amen? God's workmanship. You are not your parents' workmanship. You are not the school teacher's workmanship. You are not your family member's workmanship. You are not the job's workmanship. Amen? So why are we allowing them to define who we are? You are not a religious or a racial stereotype. You are not the thing on the news. You are not a statistic. You are God's workmanship. Amen? So instead of us yielding to what everybody say we should be, we should be yielding to what the Spirit of God says we are to be. And we see here that we are his workmanship. That word workmanship and the underlying Greek means a product that is fabric. A product. Fabric. Amen. You are a product. <laughs> Maybe not on a shelf for sale, but you are a product of the factory of God. Amen. <laughs> on the assembly line of mankind, you are one of God's products. But the great thing is instead of just manufacturing you and them doing a recall because they had a bunch of defective parts, God manufactured each one of us perfectly according to his will for our lives. Amen? And that word product relating to fabric reminds me of my mother. You know, I grew up under a mother that was a seamstress. And she, sometimes she used to say, Brian, come with me. I was like, where are we going, Mom? To the fabric store. Because people would come to her, she would make suits, dresses, skirts, blouses, wedding dresses. So sometimes somebody would come over, oh, we're going to have um, a wedding and I'm buying a gown, but I need, you know, six, ten dresses for the bridesmaids. And they would come over to her and she would show, they would show her the pattern. And she's like, yeah, I can do that. Okay, what do you want? Do you want a cotton? you want a silk? You want a, you know, what kind of fabric you want? And then based upon the type of fabric they want, or maybe sometimes she would even go to the store with them and they would pick the fabric, she would get this big roll of fabric and then she would bring it home 
look at the pattern, then she would unroll it with this big mass of fabric, and she would cut it into shape of what she wanted it to be. Amen? And that's the funny thing about fabric. The same fabric may not necessarily look great when you put it on, (laughs) and depending on the gender and the color, but the reality is the one fabric can be used to make a dress, a blouse, a suit, a gown, a tuxedo. (laughs) may look a little weird making a paisley tuxedo, but the fact is the fabric doesn't care. The fabric is subject to whoever cuts and stitches it into an outfit. Amen? So it is very important for the one who is the tailor to have an understanding of the fabric, its texture, its density, its resilience before they go into cutting it and stitching it into its final form. But thank God we serve an awesome God and Savior that knew the resilience that we needed. Amen? He knew what we needed to be constructed of before birth because he knew that some of us would have a path where we might have to deal with physical ailments. And others might have a path where they deal with uh, crime in the neighborhood. And another person will have circumstances where uh, they have some kind of bias against them. God knew prior to you being worked out in his workmanship the different things that you would encounter. And based upon that, he made sure you were constructed of the right fabric to endure and survive any of the things that you would encounter. Amen? So thank God for his workmanship. Like I said, fabric is comprised of different types of fibers, density, and materials. They're all pliable. You can cut them, you can stitch them, and you can make them into the desired form um, if you're a good tailor or seamstress. But like I said, even though they're tailored into the same shape, all of them don't have the same resilience. And if you take a fabric and you stitch it into a shape and put it into the wrong environment, the person wearing it that could actually find that it's detrimental even to their life. Amen? Let me give you an example. A wedding dress, nice silk, lacy outfit, beautiful on a wedding day. (laughs) But if you're a military man in Afghanistan, I don't think wearing a lacy white dress is going to work for you. (laughs) Let's say you're a Navy SEAL. I remember years ago, uh, they, they sent the Navy SEALs into Grenada to rescue some hostages. Could you imagine they came out of the water and they put on some bright red evening attire? <laughs> Instead of sneaking in under the cover of darkness in black uniforms that made them not only invisible, but also insulated them from the water, all of a sudden, oh, you're going to have a red carpet, all right? Red with blood as we blow you away. Same thing is the density of the fabric. I might make some fabric that looks very well as I'm working, you know, in an auto repair place. But if I'm a fireman wearing that same fabric, it burns up. And instead of protecting me, that stuff will burn on top of my body and will help give me third degree burns. Amen. So it's very important for the person that is tailoring you to not only know exactly how to stitch and mold you into the right shape, but also to know the things that you encounter and the type of resistance that will be coming up against that fabric. Amen? So God has made you 
out of a fabric that is unique to what you will have to encounter in your life. And thank God for that. Sometimes we balk. Sometimes we balk. Sometimes we ask God, why did you make me thus? But we have to trust God that no matter what we're enduring, he's properly suited and tailored us for whatever we're going to encounter. And he gave us the capacity that we're going to come out on the other side still intact. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God. The master tailor. The master seamless, seamstress, or (laughs) tailor. Amen. Hallelujah. So God took your fabric, and although he spoke many of the things in creation into existence, when it came to us, as we saw last week, God pondered. He was mindful of us. He created each one of us in a special manner. And here's the thing. When we screwed up, God said, I'm not going to just give up on the things that I've made. I'll actually send my son, tailor him into the shell of a humble servant that will serve and give his life as a ransom for us so that he can redeem everybody else that was yet to follow. Amen? Thank God for Jesus Christ. Stripped himself of immortality. Took on the lightness and form of a servant. Humbled himself even unto death so that you and I, amen, can go from being filthy rags to now wearing robes of glory, able to stand righteous before his Father. Thank you, Jesus. And we'll see that here in 1 Corinthians 15, 40 through 45. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So you see here, there's actually what was referred to as two Adams. The first Adam, amen, was the one that we are aware of in the Garden of Eve. And it says here that he was made a living soul. And at, once, he, once God breathed life into him, he tended to the garden. He walked around, and in the cool of the day, it says that he talked to God in the garden. And unfortunately, he messed up, fell into sin, and the rest is history for you and I. Mess, 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 and more mess. From the moment you're born, even though you grow up, age, and mature, from the moment you're born, you're actually aging, which is the process of dying. So unfortunately, even a newborn babe, in a sense, is dying. (laughs) That is what Adam did for us. Thank you. Great, 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 grandfather. Thank you for nothing. (laughs) You gave me a death sentence. But we see here, the first Adam 
was made a living soul, the last Adam. There's another Adam. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That word quickening means revitalizing and life-giving. And the last Adam we see here is actually Jesus Christ. So the last Adam was a living soul. He came, he messed up, and brought a death sentence upon all of us. The last Adam came and said, I'm turning this all around. And not only do I have the power to overcome death in the grave and resurrect myself to the right hand of the Father, but not only did I do this, but to those who believe in me, since I'm a quickening spirit, I'm going to give the life that's inside of me into all those who believe in me. Amen? So he's a quickening spirit life-giving spirit, and all we have to do is accept his sacrifice by faith, and he promises uh, that we'll get those things. And just look at that relationship. Adam walked with God, communicate with God, but if you really think about it, that relationship, as good as it was, it was totally external. God was not in him. Why? Because Adam, in that case, was born of was born uh, manufactured, God was totally external to him, and all he did was communicate with him in the, in the cool of the day. Great relationship, but external. God is here, you're there. Thank God for Jesus Christ, the last Adam. Because of him and the sacrifice that he made, the word tells us, amen, that we become the temples of the Holy Ghost. We don't have external relationship with God. We have God inside of us as the Holy Spirit living in us. Now we are temples with the precious presence of the Holy Spirit residing inside of us. So instead of us having to go meet with God, God is actually inside of us if we would just listen. Amen? <laughs> you realize for the Christian, more than anybody else, for the Christian, we choose to sin because we choose to sin. The unsaved man can say, well, God's not in me, so I just didn't hear him. But for the believer, for us to sin, that inward voice inside of you was telling you, don't do it. And you chose to defy and disobey it. Amen? You chose to disobey the voice. And that's why as soon as you sin, you feel that ouch moment like, oh, I don't believe I did that. I don't believe I said that. Because the Holy Spirit inside of you, given through the quickening process of the last Adam, made God a part of your life that is so essential to the core of your being that when you grieve him, if you, unless you reprobate, you immediately feel the fact that, ah, oh, I just put a breach in our relationship. I messed up. I got to get it right. It's because God is now inside of you. Amen. He's residing inside of us. We see that in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So I tell people a lot of times, all these arguments over, oh man, we transcended from ape. We come from the primates. Eh, I don't think so. Really, if you look scientifically and truthfully, just the DNA sequences and the, the, the information that is stored in the DNA, it's impossible to produce a man out of an ape. It's mathematically, informationally impossible. They don't have enough, they don't have enough data in their DNA. 
But science, science, the lying scientists will try to tell you that. The reality is there has been an evolution, though. But the evolution has not been from primates going from walking on all fours to walking humped over to walking upright to the fur coming off to now being man. No, there has not been that evolution. Amen? The evolution that has happened is the evolution of man from being in a sinful state that once he accepts Jesus Christ is transformed into the temple of the Holy Ghost that now has God inside of us. Amen? That's the only evolution that's available to us. Amen? So if unpeople, unsaved people want to walk around thinking that their family members were ape, well, y'all go on. Ain't no apes in my family. <laughs> That's right. No apes in my family. Maybe you got a few monkeys in yours, but ain't no apes in my family. I was transformed from the power of God, from a sinful man, into the righteousness of Christ. Amen. We see here all things are passed away. All old things are passed away. All things have become new. And that's a question you have to ask yourself. If you're still walking around with the mindset of somebody that is in sin, the problem is not in your nature and your stature and your condition in God. The problem is in your mentality and being deceived by the enemy. Because the word tells us that you have become a new thing in Christ, a new creature. You've been transformed. Amen. He's resurrected you from being a dead creature creature that does not have the spirit of God inside of him to now in housing or inhabiting the presence of God inside of you. Amen. But you have to get to the place where you believe that for yourself. And that's why earlier on last week in our text scripture, we talked about seeing yourself with unveiled eyes. Do you realize that most people are walking around with veiled eyes, eyes that are blocked and taint it, taint it by your past, taint it by your fleshly circumstances, taint it by your current circumstances. And we walk around on a daily basis, oh, I can't do this. Oh, woe is me. Oh, there ain't nothing worse than a complaining Christian. And I do know some. But there really isn't anything, really, think about it. There's nothing worse than a complaining Christian. What does the Word of God says? The just shall live by faith. So for somebody to be a Christian, to walk around negative and complaining all the time, you're basically, I call it spiritual arson. I call it spiritual arson. So you ever see a t-shirt or something, tell me, because we got to talk. Y'all owe me some money. Spiritual arson. And, and what I call spiritual arson, God says the just shall live by faith. Faith should be in your mind. Faith should be in your perceptions. Faith should be in your heart. Faith should be in your behavior. Faith should be in your speech. Amen? And the stuff that you profess all the time. So you're walking around memory complaining. One minute you're thinking the best in God and you're having faith and saying, I believe God will. And then for you go five minutes, ten minutes, an hour, or the following day and later say, oh, God ain't going to bless me. Well, you just burned up the very thing you just spoke. What is that? When you burn up something intentionally, what is it? Arson. So all arson isn't taking some gasoline and pouring it on something and striking a match. A lot of people, because we were born to, to speak in faith and perceive in faith, if you're one minute saying something based on faith and then the next you're saying, oh, it's not going to happen, you just destroyed or burned up the very thing that you had previously born out of faith. So why even say it? If you're not going to stick to it, why even waste your time saying it? Amen? 
A lot of believers are like park rangers. Amen? Tony looks confused. <laughs> a lot of Christians are park rangers. I'm believing God for this. Oh, it ain't going to happen. Oh, shoot, fire. Pat it out. So what do you think about this thing? Oh, yeah, God's going to do it. Two days later, nothing ever works out right for me. There you go fighting fires again. You might as well be a park ranger. Amen? And see, some Christians, some Christians, it actually goes beyond the little fire that you stomp out. Some Christians got wildfires. You got winds blowing it and making the flames stir up, and you digging trenches and trying to divert the fire away from a local city. I mean, when you're a murmuring, complaining Christian, you are basically putting out a wildfire, amen, that you need to snuff out in faith. So we need to speak in faith. Even if you can't see it yet, you need to speak in faith. Like I said, don't allow your circumstances to be tainted, blocked. Uh, don't let your fleshly limitations get in your way and make you speak negatively. You got to keep continuing to speak with a good mentality in God. And see, here's the thing. Speaking of faith, if you really think about it, it puts you into the God zone. Because if you look at yourself in the mirror, you said, I see big things. How in the world am I ever going to do that? Well, God did say, so I'm going to trust him. As soon as you put it outside of the limitations of your flesh into, I believe, God for that, and then you continue to speak and trust God for that, you've taken the onus off yourself. So all you got to do is continue in the things that God's telling you to do, keep your positive profession, and let God's power that you've already fueled through your faith allow the stuff to come forth in your life. Amen? So that's actually the best place to be. When you say, there's no way I can do it, but I know it's going to happen because of God, you've done the smartest thing in your life. You've taken the onus out of you, off of yourself and you've put it into the hands of God. And that doesn't mean to be lazy. I've seen some Christians, yeah, God's going to give me a business. Well, did you start putting down a plan for your, for your business? No? Did you start looking for storefronts? No. Did you decide what products you're going to sell in your store? No. Oh, so I guess, I guess you're going to just be laying in your bed one night, and the door's going to open. It's going to be this bright light, and you're going to hear a choir angels, ah! and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this five-year business plan is going to just come floating into your room. And you're just going to wake up, and it's going to be like the, the tablets to, to Moses. These things are just going to float into your hand. Like, thank you, Jesus. I've been anointed with my five-year business plan. And you're just going to float out of your bed. You ain't going to touch the floor. <laughs> you're just going to float out of your bedroom. And, you know, it's going to be like Iron Man's armor. You know, your, your clothes are just... You're going to be just floating and your clothes will just come over and just, or like snow, was it Snow White? When the birds brought the, 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 the birds flew the dress over to her and put it on. I mean, you just, you know, I mean, if you don't want to put any work into something, we're not supposed to do things 
based totally upon works. But on the other side of the coin, faith without works is dead. There's got to be some balance. Yes, we believe God and professing God and proclaiming God, and even through trials and tribulations, we keep our minds centered on the things that God is going to do for us. But also, as we're trying to work this stuff out, we got to put our hands to the plow. God says he's going to give me that business. Well, doggone it, i got to sit down and start mapping out. What am I going to sell? What city am I going to sell in? What is my target customer audience? You know, do I need to advertise? Do I need to make flyers? You know, you got to put your hands to the plow if you expect God to come through. So the big thing is, as we're going out on a daily basis trying to do various endeavors, God wants us to look at ourselves and at life with wide open eyes. Not only feeling a sense of, wow, I'm remarkable, but also my life itself is remarkable because the God of the universe is looking down upon me and he is propelling me into my destiny. I don't have to block my mind and my eyes based upon the pains in the past, the failures in the past, the negativity that people spoke on me, the attacks of the enemy. Instead, I have to walk out with a mindset that I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ and he's going to do things good in my life because I'm a faithful servant of his. Amen? But here's the thing. A lot of us have problems getting to that place because even though we have the 2 Corinthians 5.17 experience, I'm a new creature in Christ. Everybody comes on board with that. I don't know anybody that says, I accepted Jesus Christ and I'm not a new creature in Christ. Everybody's a new creature. Got that. But what about the next part? you got to change your stinking thinking. Amen? And here's what we see. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We see here, that we have to put off the former conversation of the old man. Notice that. We already saw in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we're a new creature in Christ. I'm no longer a creature of sin. I've been redeemed. You know, Adam fell short of the glory of God. I accepted Jesus Christ. He's now made me a new creature in Christ. I am redeemed. I'm a precious child of the kingdom of God. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. I have a clean slate to live my life. But for some reason in Ephesians, it still says, after you've learned Christ, you have to put off your old former conversation of the old man. So in other words, you could be saved, but you can still think like a heathen. I'm saying that again. You could be saved, I'll put it another way, but you could still think like an unsaved person if you fail to learn Christ. Amen. And it says to put off your former conversation. The former conversation isn't just how you spoke. Before I got saved, I could curse with the best of them. Play the dozens with the best of them. I still play the dozens some now. I just do it cleaner. Amen? But the fact is, <laughs> I mean, some stuff, <laughs> look, you crack a joke, I'm going to crack a joke. You put yourself in a position where I can crack a joke, I'm going to crack a joke. You know? 
<laughs> Me and Kyle just joined, you know, a Wing Chun school, and a guy, one of the first things that the, the um, Sifu Maza said is like, oh, I hope you, um, you know, don't have a problem with people cracking jokes. I said, oh, I said, you ain't going to have a problem with that with me. <laughs> Matter of fact, last week we were there in class, and, and um, he, said, he looked around the class. He started giving instructions. He said, oh, you know, these two fine gentlemen uh, will have you go in the corner. I'm like this. And he's looking at me, I said, oh, well, you confused me when you said two fine gentlemen. I said, I thought you were talking to somebody over there. He said, oh, you, and he looked at me, he said, you're in the right place. Because, <laughs> I mean, you got to have a sense of humor, amen. I, said, I thought you were talking to somebody else. You said two fine gentlemen. You said two knuckleheads, I would have walked right over. <laughs> so you got to have a little fun. But we see here, you know, so there's fun in terms of our former conversation, amen. We can still have fun and personality, but what it's talking about here, put off the former conversation, stop speaking negative all the time. Speak, stop speaking defeat, discouragement, and doom all the time. Stop gossiping about people in a mean manner. Stop manipulating people. Stop stabbing people behind the back. And it's not just your speech. The conversation is also talking about your behavior, you could tell a lot about people by their behavior. You could talk about, you could tell a lot about people by um, their, their, their enthusiasm, their work ethic. I actually have a um, situation last week. I have four people on the team working under me. And believe it or not, I'm keeping the guy that was there longest. He's really good, and we're, we just, we sink. I mean, if I'm not around, I expect him to know exactly what I want, and I tell him stuff I don't tell other people. So if I'm not available, he could pretty, pretty much lead the team over there, and he's on the ground floor because they're on the other side of the world. Amen? And then we have two people that are newer, and we have a guy that was kind of like in between. He's been there second longest. But I made the decision to get rid of the guy that was there second longest because I think he's too comfortable. I had to repeat myself too many times. And there's times where something major is going on. I was like, where's he at? And he's gone. So I was like, oh, you're a nine to five, and I'm out of here no matter what's going on. Whereas one of the new people was like, I stayed two hours late. Even after somebody told her to go home, I got it. And she said, no, I'm staying here. It's my responsibility. So you communicate a lot, not only in your speech, but in terms of your mentality, your behavior, your work ethic, your attitude, and even, a lot of people mistake this, even your body language communicates a lot. Because I'm there in a room with people and I say, hey, we all got to dig in deep and make sure we meet this deadline. And I see everybody in the room like, okay, just tell me what I need to do. Then I see somebody like this. I'm like, okay, you ain't on board. You ain't on board. And the person may not say a word, but you spoke a lot. Just with, okay, you spoke tons. <laughs> so we have to take, put off our former conversation. If any of those negative attributes was associated with us, once again, not just verbalized, but in terms of our behavior, our perceptions, you know, are you the kind of person that always sees, you know, the cloud, the dark cloud, and never the silver lining? Amen? And, you know, sometimes people see a silver lining all the time. They could be a little bit on the dreamer side and not realist, but then on the side of the coin, you ain't got to see the dark storm cloud all the time. Like, wait a minute, there is a little silver lining. You got some people never see the silver lining. So you got to have balance. Amen? But we see here, as we're putting off the former conversation, we need to do it. Why? Because it says it's corrupt according to the deceitful lust. The old mentality outside of Christ, 
as much as you may have thought it was wise and beautiful and practical, if it's contradicting the word of God, it's corrupt, contaminated, impure, unholy, and you need to get it out of your life. Amen? And it goes further in verse 23. It says you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We Christians, we, we see a, a, a demon under every rock. Oh, it's demon lust uh, and sickness and cancer and anger and pride. And Do you realize that your mind has a spirit associated with it? And even though in your heart of hearts, you could have closed your eyes and said, I love you, Jesus, with all my heart and soul. I will serve you all the days of my life. And when this body expires, I will see you in glory. And it could be totally true. You could still walk around with an unredeemed mind that limits you from receiving all the promises of God. So here's the thing. You may not be sinning at all. But if you fail to renew your mind according to the spirit of God and the word of God... God can say, I want you to live the abundant life, and you're falling way short of that because you're still thinking like an unsanctified, unredeemed person. Here's an example. They talk about layoffs at work. Oh, Lord, oh, my God, I know I'm going to be kicked out the door. You know how long it took me to get this job? I can't believe this. I've go got to go through this again. In this economy, there's no jobs out there. Where's faith in that? And guess what? You didn't commit any great sin. The only one is maybe murmuring, complaining, not having faith in God. But it's not like you out there got drunk with booze. You didn't commit fornication or adultery. You didn't curse on anybody. You didn't murder anybody. You didn't do what anybody would consider this like blatant sin. But the fact is, by you having that unrenewed mentality, you have limited yourself and the power of God that will flow in your life in that circumstance, amen? Because God needs you to take that circumstance and say, they're talking layoffs, but you know what? God's going to preserve my job. Thank you, Jesus. And everybody was sitting there, oh, dude, I heard it's going to be 450 people. Man, I heard they're going to shut down this whole location. They can shut it down if they want to. Somehow God's going to keep me here. Well, whatever company takes over, I guess I got the first opening. Or at the very least, they can shut it down all they want. God's going to have a door open for me. Man, I'm going to move from one desk over to another. See, that's the mentality you got to have in God. And that's why he tells us we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. That word renewed means to be renovated. Amen? You ever see an old office building, house, car? And it just looks all dilapidated. And uh, actually, we, we, we have some friends, a perfect example. They took over, they just got a new church, um, well, new church location. And what happened is the building they took over was the old hardware, hardware store. So when they first went in, they were like, oh, my God, this place is a pigsty. They said they were walking carefully over cans and trash and Walls got paint peeling, and it was just horrible in there. And they said they just knew that the Lord told them that was the spot. So they said they ended up, you know, working out the financials, you know, signing the contracts and stuff like that. And here's the thing. They said the previous owners came in and cleaned the place up. 
But what if they had gone in there and said, oh, this place is horrible. Oh, my. Oh, this. Oh, no, no. We out of here. The place is right at an a, a exit, right off of 95, very easy to reach, not far from the previous location. And they said, you see it now. And they said, he's got, still got things they're going to do, little things here and there, paint here and there, you know, maybe some decorations and stuff like that. But the thing is, they said the bulk of the work was done, and they said the place you see now, you wouldn't be able to believe compared to what it was when they first walked in. But see, they walked into that situation with a mindset of faith. They said, we're not seeing what this is showing right now. We're seeing what it will be after we're done with it. And see, not only did they see what it could be after they're done with it, but God blessed them that the owners came in and cleaned up a lot of stuff so that some of the work they envisioned having to do to get it to what it would be, they didn't even have to do. Amen? It's all a matter of mindset. And that's why God says we have to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. You might have gone through a lot of stuff in your past. You might be struggling with a lot of stuff right now. But you got to have the mindset of God regarding your circumstances. Sometimes I refer to that as a God's eye view. we got to look at that as if God is looking down. If he were to look down and characterize what we're dealing with right now, what does he see as opposed to what we see? The Word of God talks about, in um, Ephesians, in, in, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about us being in seat, seated in, in heavenly places. And one time the Lord gave me an illustration. He said, being seated in heavenly places is like us being in a lighthouse where somebody else is on the shore. And just imagine, uh, you know, you got one person on a lighthouse, the other person's walking on the shore on a foggy night. As they're walking around, you know, the fog is, as, as they say, thick as pea soup. And they're walking around, and they, oh, man, I can't even see my hand in front of my face. It's so foggy. So that person has no clarity whatsoever because of the level at which they're stationed on the beach. But see that person up in the lighthouse? They're elevated above the fog. They have a light that's cutting through the fog, and they can see Hey, there's a ship out there that's about to hit the reef. Let me send out a warning to tell them to divert course. See, they have a clarity of vision that the person that's seated down low does not have. And that's why God tells us, don't see your circumstances according to an earthly, fleshly perspective. Be seated in heavenly places. See stuff according to a God's eye view, illuminated by what? The light of Christ. Amen. And he will give you clarity that no man on this earth or you and your flesh can ever see. Be seated in heavenly places. Amen? Hallelujah. See things from God's perspective. It may seem that you're surrounded on every side by adversities and things blocking your path, and there seems to be a fog in front of you. But little do you know that God could be looking down and say, if you could only see what I see, man, that fog's about to dissipate. Amen? That fog's about to dissipate if you just hold on a little bit longer. I'm about to shine a light on your circumstances and all that fog, amen, all that stuff that's unclear and vague to you. Soon as you, if you just wait a few more moments, you keep proclaiming me in faith. I'm going to shine a light and be like, oh, that's all it is? Clear path ahead. I was about to get shipwrecked if not for the light of Christ. But thank God I see, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. <laughs> I can see what was it? all obstacles in my way. 
I don't know where that came from, but <laughs> sometimes words are suited. <laughs> but I can see clearly now. But in our case, it's not the rain is gone. The fog is gone. Why? Because of the light of Jesus Christ. And that's the thing. The enemy could try to make the fog. The enemy could be sitting there with his fog machine trying to confuse you, get you off course. And, and that's why sometimes we got to be careful. Get all out there in your haste. Oh, I got to run from the situation. I, I can't deal with this. I want to avoid this. You run and you're going right into a reef. And God was like, if you only stood there, the light was coming. Stay still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes you just got to stand still and wait for the fog to dissipate. But like I said, that's why we have to be redeemed, renewed, renovated in the spirit of our minds. If we thought negative in the past, we got to start retraining our brains to think positive. And that's the thing. When you feel that fear, that anxiety, that concern coming in, don't sit there and just meditate upon it. Oh, my God. Because what's going to happen is you're going to make a thousand other things on top of it that's going to make it worse. Y'all know how your minds work. I don't think your minds are that much different than mine. And when I have something negative that I'm sitting there worried about, probably a thousand times in the past, if not every time in the past, if I stay focused on the negatives and the would've, should'ves, could'ves that could have happened, next you know, more things join it. Oh, well, shoot, you didn't do that. Oh, that's probably going to happen. And Oh, and when that happens, then it's going to happen. You start inventing stuff on top of your inventions. And the thing is, none of it even happened yet. You done mapped out the next... The thing is, the first thing you worried about, the first thing you worried about hasn't even happened yet. And you've already imagined the next 10 things worse that are going to happen. And, and the Word of God tells us to cast down imaginations in every vain thing, amen, that cometh against the knowledge of God. We are to cast those things down. It says you're supposed to take that thought, slam it down on the ground, stomp on it, or, or throw it away from your midst. That word cast means to throw away violently or aggressively. But see, we don't throw it away. We sit there and stew in it. Just perk Ooh, just, oh, just keep eating our problems and our fears and trepidations and our imaginations of all the ten other things that can happen. And here's the thing. Instead of taking the time to pray and seek God and see what he has to say about the first thing that hasn't happened yet, we let all these things piggyback, and then we run it out, making stuff worse. And the whole time, the devil's probably sitting there and saying, got him. <laughs> got him. I mean, I used to fish a lot as a kid. And depending on the kind of fish I wanted, I switched up my bait. Sometimes I would use worm. Sometimes I used cornmeal. Depending on the kind of fish I had, I would change the lure the, 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 the food that I was going to bait them with, and sometimes I'd even change the pole. Well, this is a bigger fish. It'll snap that, that skinnier pole, so I'm going to go out with the big boy today. Amen? And see, sometimes, even when the thing would nibble, I would feel the, nib the I would see the real, I would see the pole vibrate a little bit. I was like, oh, he's nibbling, but he didn't bite yet. And see, if I yank right now, I'm going to miss him. So I'm going to just let him toy with it for a while. He's nibbling, he's nibbling, he's nibbling. Because, see, he's testing the thing to see if it's safe to eat. So he's nibbling, 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 and I'm sitting there patiently. I'm waiting for this sucker to bite. And, see, that's what the devil does with you and I. 
You don't, a lot of times you don't jump right into your mess. You sit there and toy with it or nibble. Just a little nibble. You going to hook me? Take three or four little nibbles. Then next you know, oh, shoot, there's a hook in that thing. Gotcha. That's what the devil does. And I even learned fishing. Just because you bit and I got the hook in your mouth don't mean I'm going to reel you right in right away. Because, see, a stronger fish will lay dormant. Just let you reel them till they get right near the end of the water. Then all of a sudden they put that, that burst of strength, bam. They'll, they'll be swimming away with a hook in their mouth, but they broke that line, and they've, they, they're injured. They're scarred by the experience, but they got away. So the good fishermen know, reel you in, reel you out. Reel you in, give you some slack. Go back and forth. Oh, he's tired now. Bring him in. See, that's what the enemy will do with you and I. He'll let you get a little nibble, but he's waiting for you to bite. He'll get you on the line. But he might not reel you in right away. He'll toy with you, give you a little slack. Oh, the pressure of my mess is getting too heavy. I better break free. Oh, let me give him some slack before they break free. Let him stay in that inappropriate action or relationship or that strong. I keep playing with you. And then finally, when I want to take your life or ruin you and your reputation, bring you out of the boat, out of the boat into my bucket. And that's what the enemy tries to do. That's why we got to be renewed in our spirit and our minds. Amen. Stop thinking negatively. Stop imagining vain things. Stop building upon building and stop toying with different things. Allow God to, re to renovate our thought process. How? So we no longer think like the dilapidated hardware store that my friends went into. Instead, we see the renovated place with all its glamour and its glory. See things according to the perspective of God, cleaned up and renewed. Soon we're going to be going into the time of year that people refer to as spring cleaning. What do people do? They go into their garages and parts of the house. They start dusting. Ooh, boy. Oh, whew. That thing got dusty because I ain't touching it in months. Amen. Oh, some of this stuff is old. You know what? It's time to get rid of that. That's old, too. It's time to give it a fresh coat of paint. Guess what? Some of our minds are just as dusty. You've been thinking that way for 10 years. We're going to put a fresh coat, a spiritual paint upon how you think. We're going to throw out some of that negativity that's been buried deep into the storehouse of your mind. It's wasteful, it's rotting, it's dilapidated. When are you going to get that stuff out of there so that God can replenish you with some stuff that is new and vital and life-giving and motivating and healing? When are you going to renew, once again, the spirit of your mind? If you were to think about yourself and characterize yourself in one word, how would you describe yourself? If you had to do the same thing according to how you think, how would you characterize yourself? And if, if, you don't, if you cannot summarize yourself by a positive word, or if that's too, too difficult, a positive phrase, you know, if you had to characterize yourself and, well, I'm kind of a de depressed person. Well, how many years are you going to continue with that phrase in your life? 
You got saved back in 1979. 82, I'm I'm a depressed person. 90, I'm a depressed person. 95, I'm depressed. Seriously? (laughs) Renew. Renew the spirit of your mind. Don't allow yourself to continue to think that way. Amen? See, we are redeemed. Like I said, each one of us is redeemed in our spirits. But is your mind redeemed? Is your heart, your outlook on life redeemed? Once again, as we go back to our text scripture that that talks about us looking at ourselves open face as if we were able to see the inside of ourselves. As you look at the inside of yourself, actually make that your homework this week. Let's do some inward looking and examination. And once again, let's not look at ourselves like, do I have to? When I go to a phlebotomist, I had to get, get a needle, some, some blood work for like annual. I had to get my annual exam, so he always does blood work. When, I, when I'm in there, I give the person my arm, I look right there. But he says, some people turn away or squint. Do I have to look? <laughs> but the thing is like, oh, yeah, but, but as we were to look at our lives, though, are we also looking away? Because I don't want to, I don't really want to look at myself. I can't really bear to see what I see. Yeah, that's very sad. So can we honestly take the time to look at ourselves? And then can we take the time to be real with ourselves and say, am I doing what that text scripture says? To look at all the attributes in me. Some of us are writers. Some of us are speakers. Some of us are are teachers. Some of us are readers. Some of us are poets. Some of us are singers. Some of us are artists. Some of us are artists with our hands, whereas some of us are artistic with a spoken word. There's different forms of things. As you were to look at what is inside of you, amen, do you look at how God f- manufactured the fabric that is you and said, wow, wow, God loved me enough to make me this remarkable human being. And even though I may have messed up, wow, with all this in me, what can God still do? Have we done that or do we look at ourselves like, what a mess I am and what a mess I made of my life? Really, the whole premise, the number one theme of this series that the Lord gave me is to start looking at ourselves as being remarkable human beings. Because how can we come out of strongholds? How can we walk in victory? How can we pursue dreams that God has placed upon us if we're still walking around the same mentality? I'm a mess, I'm a mess, I'm a mess. And we're going from glory to glory to glory. The glory that's in you right now, which is remarkable enough, cannot measure the glory that you'll be Six months from now, a year from now, five years from now. And that's the thing. God has transitioned us and taken us from step to step to step to step. Not that we can brag, but that we can appreciate the stuff that he's doing and continuing to do in us. Amen? We are all caterpillars being transformed through a cocoon that God has placed there into butterflies. But just because you've become a butterfly doesn't mean he may not make you a caterpillar again and take you through another round of being metamorphosized. Amen? Hallelujah. So we're going from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. And it's continual if you'll submit to the process. It's continual until God takes us home to being glory. Amen? So we should be looking at ourselves analyzing what is in us because if you're not true to know who you are 
how you get to where God wants you to be. When the basis of how you're moving in life is upon your past mistakes, what people are saying, what the statistics are saying, what the stereotypes are saying, how can you ever be fruitful and at peace with yourself if everything you're basing your life upon is lies, if you really think about it? So let's take the time to pray and ask God to truly reveal to us who we are, what is in us. Let's look at it honestly, and let's let God to take us into that process. Amen? Holly, You know, I'm going to stop there, and we're going to continue on next week. Um, next week, we're going to start. We're going to look at the modus operandi of the enemy and how he attacks us. Amen? We're going to look at that in detail next week. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray to praise, the honor, and glory for everything you're doing in our lives. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for the process that you're taking us to, transitioning us from glory to glory to glory. And as we saw in our text scripture, Father, allow us to take the time to see ourselves with open face and open eyes, eyes that are wide open, eyes that are willing to see everything that is in us, Father. And even if there's something that is bad within us, Lord, you're not making us look at it to self-incriminate or torture ourselves, but, Father, to show us, first of all, what is remarkable about us and what you've called for us to do, and then to show us how you can purge those things out of us so that we can live the abundant life that you had destined for each one of us. We just praise and thank you, Father, that the gifts, the talents, Father, all the attributes you place within us, hallelujah, are suited to enable us to fulfill our destiny. And we thank you also, Father, that even as we saw earlier today, that we are your fabric. You've constructed us in such a way that even though we've gone through difficulties, hallelujah, you've made us resilient enough to sustain every attack, every assignment, every negative past experience, and to come out on the other side of those things unscathed. So we just praise and thank you, Father, for this. We thank you, Father, that, hallelujah, even if we're going through things right now, we just give you the praise, honor, and glory that you who have begun a good work in us shall fulfill it, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for that. We thank you, Father, for peace and strength, for healing, for comfort, for motivation, for guidance from on high and for divine victory in Jesus' name. And we just give you the glory and praise, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, thank you. Thank you, Jesus.